Yo, it's your boy Ari the Architect with More Than a Haircut Podcast. Man, I got a special guest on. I think he's a damn fool. He's hilarious. <laughs> All right, what's up, man? What up, dog? Rod, Rod Minga, man. What's up, dog? What is happening, man? Man, ain't nothing, man. You know what I'm saying? First and foremost, man, introduce yourself, bro. Hey man, Rod Minger from Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, been here in Atlanta since 2007. Actor, comedian, entertainer, thespian, you name it, I can do it. I, I can even come to your barbershop and cut half if, if y'all got some spots. <laughs> I come up there and make it happen. I can't do nothing but bald heads, but it's going to be the best bald heads y'all ever had in that shop, I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, what you going to cut them with? <laughs> Clippers or razor, whatever they need. I, I can put some magic shave on there, bro. Whatever whatever they need to yeah. do to get bald heads. I know all the tips. We not gonna give you no goddamn nerve. Fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I tried that one time. Though. I burnt the hell out of my ass. I ain't gonna For lie. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't suggest it. No, nah, I tried it. Uh, my first time being bald, I tried it there, and it burnt the hell out of me. I already know it, man. So you already told you know told the people where you're from. Mm-hmm. So, um, man, did you grow up playing? You know, in the sports or doing any music or anything? Yeah, man. So I grew up playing baseball. I played baseball. Uh, that was, I guess, my dad's idea. And then as I got a little older, I had I was gifted with a nice little vertical. You know what I'm saying? So I could dunk a little bit. So I played a little ball around the hood. Yeah. Dunked on a couple of people. I wasn't. I couldn't shoot. Couldn't dribble, but I could dunk. That, that was the gift I had. Uh, and then uh, my grandfather played the trumpet. So when I got in the seventh grade, uh, I joined the band, and my grandfather used to uh, give me trumpet lessons. And he got me started, and I stuck with it. Switched to baritone, went to high school on the baritone. Mm-hmm. Ended up being drum major in high school, went to college playing baritone. Ended up being drum major in college. So, mm-hmm. you know, that was all from my, my granddad's seed he planted. Wow. Well, before I ask you the next question, I want to give a big fuck you to my homeboy, Kevin Hervey. When I was <laughs> in, in school, I wanted to play the trumpet. Man, this, this, right. cock, this cocksucker was, uh, man, disrupting the class. I, I didn't know he knew how to play, you know what I'm saying, any instrument that he could, you know what I'm saying? Right. Just, I was like, man, this nigga just, he just fucked the whole class up. Every every day, man. Every and, uh, day. But he was cold. He wound up being cold, though. Yeah, you got to have a special imagination, man, to be able to play an instrument. It takes a lot of creativity, a lot of memorization. So we some different people. Yeah. <laughs> what, uh, what college did you go to? Stillman College, man. Tuscaloosa, Alabama, man. Home of the road tide. Road Blue Tigers. Pride Marching Tigers, man. Yeah, man. You know what that is. You know who that is. I don't know nothing about that. Yeah, I bet. Hey, it's hard not to. They, they, all the all last, out of the last 10 years, we got most of the championships. So let's yeah. Google who won the most championships in the last 10 years. You'll man, find that's us. Like, that's like the Lakers and the Celtics. Somebody you better believe it, baby. You know it's history down there. there. We call it Title Town is what we call it. Title Town. <laughs> how, was, like, how was that experience for you, man? You know, coming from Alabama and then experiencing college. You know what I'm saying? Was it, well, you know how uh, a different world was big on us. Right. Know, me, me being from Memphis, seeing Bill Cosby and then them, them creating a different world kind of like gave us a different outlook on being yeah. successful, man, as you, like, was that something that was an influence? Man, or, or, man or? that's funny that you said that because uh, a different world is the reason I wanted to go to an HBCU. Wow. Because, uh, you know, I was one of those guys, like, you know, some people go because, uh, oh, they, they feel like it's the only option they have. Yeah. I actually really, really wanted to go because uh, the high school I went to was a fifty-fifty black and white. So you know, even the band was like more so of a core style band, which in layman's terms, that's the the you know the little classical music. Don't nobody want to listen to at halftime. Yeah. So that's what I played in high school. Down with the college, I wanted the college experience of playing the hip hop and yeah. playing with the culture and you know being around more black people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I wanted that opportunity. Uh, to be able to do that, man, and, and that's why I chose Stillman. For real, was it was it a culture shock for you? Like I'm saying, you saying growing up, growing up around? Or, or- nah, I mean, where I'm from, there was a lot of black people. It just my school just happened to be mixed, but I, that was all, Montgomery is very black. I got you. I got you. <laughs> and then uh, don't not really culture shock, man. The only thing that kind of shocked me, man, just I couldn't believe how big our band was. Our band was massive, and. Uh, and the type of music we were playing, I was excited to be able to play some music that I could, you know, I I was rooted with. So that helped. Gotcha. So, so you going from doing the music, dunking on people, as you mm-hmm. said, in the hood and in the game. So, like, what what was the transition from saying, okay, 
now now I'm in school. This is this is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. Basketball, sports coming to an end. How did you get into the lane of comedy? Like what what um, what struck what, a nerve and said, like, all right, I'm I'm gonna try this one, I'm gonna do this. Were you well were you I was hoaxing like, shit then? I mean, kinda, but not like I am now. Uh I was always naturally funny because my grandmother was hilarious. My grandmother was For real. She was I mean Man, my grandma just put me in stitches. I probably was laughing at shit when I was young that I probably shouldn't have been old enough to understand, but my grandmother just talked like a real old school nigga. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So she was hilarious. And I think my sense of humor came from her. She was blunt, just like I am. She was yeah. the she was the center of attention without trying to be, just like I am. And and she didn't mind telling the funniest story and repeating something funny that happened. So I knew I wanted to do something with entertainment, but I didn't know if it was gonna be music, I didn't know if it was just gonna be acting. I really didn't even think about comedy. I just was a funny guy that knew how to act. So I moved to Atlanta and I booked a play where I had to be the comedic relief. And man, I was getting a stand ovation every night when I did that play. I did that play for six months. And I was like, six yo, six months straight. So I was like, yo, maybe it's something to this. And then mm-hmm. this thing, no people start hitting me up like, yo, man, y'all be a comedian. I was like, I'm not no comedian. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then they start talking about they'll pay. I'm like, oh shit, there we go. Let me see what's up with that. Get that shit. And, and that's when it started. Mm. So like, I know with, with everything that's going on with COVID or whatnot, like, how is it personally, how have you had to adjust? And um, how, ha- how has it taken away from what you got going? Oh man, uh, it, was, it, was, uh, it was a drastic change, bro. I, um, I was actually getting ready to go on a 40, a 40 city tour. Damn. So I had a comedy tour that was about to pop off starting uh, March, March uh, 20th. Mm-hmm. And it was going to go through June 10th. And man, I'm talking, I was somewhere everywhere, man. I'm talking about uh, New York, LA, uh, to the Jackson, Mississippi, uh, that, uh, Houston, Texas, New Orleans, uh, Orlando, Florida. I mean, I was I was all over the place, man. And then you know, I, I host with the College Park Skyhawks, okay, and also the Atlanta Hawks. So right. I had games that got canceled. So I had lots of lots of things that got canceled, man. Like right off the back, and it's crazy. But I had just moved, which was hilarious. So there was kind of a freakout moment. Then I had to remember, man. And I think this is for everybody, dog. As dark as this seems, you can't name one thing in life that you've been through that God didn't get you through. Yeah. And I had to sit back and get back rooted, man. Like, man, I've been in worse places. I've been in worse predicaments. Yeah. And God always somehow pulls me through. And not somehow, but he just pulls through and then it works out. And I had to sit back and think like that. Now, my money got tight. Yeah. So I took a part-time job slinging boxes for the white man, you know. <laughs> uh, I took that job, you know, for a temporary little amount of time just to, just to you know, it, was, yeah. it ain't like the money was crazy. It's nowhere near what I would make doing my shows, but... You know what? It wasn't about the money. I realized, man, as a man, when you built to just have tasks, sometimes you just need something to get up and do. Yeah. And I think it was more so that, man, just having somewhere to get up and go and not just be at the house every day and then bring a little, a little change until everything opens back up. So that's how it affected me, man, you know? And, you know, I'm meeting some cool people along the way, man. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right, man. Yeah. I think, like, for me personally, it's it's been – Man, this, it it hadn't been down because I think I, I prepared from that last recession, like when you spoke on God, like, man, I was I was out hustling Obama stickers just to get into barber school. You know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, right. And from there, it's like everything just took off. And now, years later, here it is. It's almost like it's another recession, quote unquote. And right. shit, I'm like, okay, what can I what can I learn right now? I'm in the garden. Yeah. I'm learning about coding building video games, still got the hustle and the mentality of, you know what I'm saying, like barbershop got completely slow. But I was like, oh, of course. And what, can I, what, yeah, what can I read? What can I, what can I, how can I improve myself? So that's when I started doing the Zoom videos. And one of the first people was a therapist from uh, DC, Alexis Alton. So right. it was just like, you know what? Season three is going, no, nah, I did my, my homeboy, he's a comedian from Memphis, Reggie Jr. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what? Let me let me take season three and let me make it about the, the visual aspect. Right. And you just start, you know, she just started taking off. So I see that that you got a uh, you got a show 
on uh, uh, not not show not on Instagram, but on iTunes. You know what I'm saying? Your live show. Oh, the comedy album. Yeah, the comedy album. So it's a uh, Life After Thirty. Rob, yeah. What What were you doing before your comedy career, and what did quitting your job sound and look like? Uh, before, so that's, that's before you get into before you get into what the album is about. What okay, yeah. So, oh, nah, man. So, you know, I went to college. I got my degree. Mm-hmm. Um, moved to Atlanta. Like I said, I did the play for six months and then it ended. So yeah. then uh, I took a corporate job. I worked for the Art Institute of Atlanta as a, an admissions uh, advisor. Dang. So, yeah. <laughs> I can also imagine you and that motherfucker just. <laughs> man, was suited and booted. Corporate job, you know, nice little office. Right now, office, a little cubicle, but it was nice. Yeah. Uh, and I worked there for two years, and I, uh, I got laid off from there. And then um, I booked another play. I rolled with that for a few months. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when that ended, I started selling uh, products for the Home Shopping Network. You ever been to, um, like, one of the Walmarts or uh, Belk? And it'd be a little person in the center with the little light on the little stage yeah. telling you come and try to, try to I used to be one of those niggas. Oh, yeah, I, I was one of them. I did I did that for two years. I used to make that to this day, not 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 including shows, but out of corporate jobs that I've had, mm-hmm. that job might be one of the, the most high and pay, highest paying jobs I've had outside yeah. of entertainment. But it was all commission. So I go in and you got ten bucks commission for every product you sold, and I would sell. Shoot, man, 40 a day. Damn. 40, 50, sometimes 100. You know, it just, it was just, the commission was crazy. So when it was hot, it was hot. But when it sucked, it sucked. Yeah, but the thing about it, it was hit or miss. And then after that, I started, uh, I became an admission advisor at the Cordon Blue. So I spent most of my 20s corporate. Okay. And all the entertainment stuff I did, I did on the side. Okay. But my last run in when I worked at the Cordon Blue, I start praying and fasting about, you know, all right, guys, it's time for me to kind of go on this thing full time, but I need the right opportunity, you know, to kind of push me because I knew that I'm country. You know, I come from a blue collar family where everybody, it's just work, work, work. That's all we know. Yeah. So it's not rooted in me to step out on faith and go do your thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when I was praying on it, man, I got an opportunity to, I got a phone call to start being an MC for SEC Nation. Mm. And I took that, and I had that contract for three years straight. And that's how I left. I left my job and did that. And then I left SC Nation, went did these cruise lines, did these yeah. cruise lines, came home, started going on comedy tours. And I and the rest is history. I haven't been corporate since I was 30, and I'm 36. I'll be 37 in a couple of months. Damn. So so now you got to tell us about how that album, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think I, 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 think I, I got to uh, the, the, the story about your grandma. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my grandma didn't play, man. I, a lot of my life lessons I learned from her, man. So the album thing, is, it kind of stems off something. Uh, I think my manager said it in Dolomite. He's like, man, instead of us just doing a live comedy album at a club, how about we get a live studio audience wow. and go in the studio and record it? Yeah. And it's fun that he had that idea because we had no idea that the corona thing was about to pop off. So it just worked out that I had an album you can listen to instead of watch. Because yeah. it's hard. Think about it. TV is hard right now, man, because everybody's yeah, been yeah. shows, binging movies that they haven't seen. So it's hard to compete with that. Then you got stuff people want to watch on YouTube. You know, TV is just massive. But to have something they can pop in in the car, uh, pop in while they're cleaning up. Or riding to it. Or riding to it. It was just yeah. genius. Yeah. So, and I, my manager's like, man, just do stuff that you haven't talked about on stage. So I just thought of every random story I could think of off the top of my head and put that into that album. So that album is about 75% improv. 75? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like me me watching that, that Dolomite story, yeah. you know, it, it made me understand, like, people like Master P, Young Dolph, and how oh, yeah. um, the credit and even Snoop and them, like, they got to get that credit back to Dolomite on how he was able to maneuver through business yeah, and, and do as he was doing. And then I also look at what you were saying with, you probably learned a lot of skill set being in Walmart at that kiosk selling product. As Bruh. A Bruh, you you got to sell it. You got to sell it when you don't feel like it. Yeah. So it's like, man, my hat's off to you on that. You know, that whole just run and just doing it, bro. Like, bro, I did it all to get here, bro. I, I just knew where I was from. I couldn't get it. 
like I wanted to get it where I was from. So that's what made me branch out, come to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I, if I'm, I'm going to be here, man, one of the best things I learned when I first got here, my cousin is the reason I moved here. She was like, yeah, man, you can come stay with me. Okay. You can figure it out. Yeah. And then I packed all my shit up, put it in my car, and I drove up here. And she basically told me once I got here, she let me chill for about two days. And she basically told me I had to the end of the month to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And as crazy as that sounds, that's one of the best things she could have ever did. Because it showed me uh, I had no time to waste. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't play. I couldn't come up here and bullshit. play yeah. and bullshit. Yeah, yeah. And and I made matters worse, bro. My cousin lives in McDonough. And this is back in 2006 where one no GPS. So, so you got to find and figure out. Where bro, you had to find and figure shit out yeah. and print out map quests. And I was riding around with papers. And man, them 30 days, dog, I interviewed for multiple jobs yeah i was going to multiple networking a bit like i never took time to even i never took time to rest and i was working out she had a gym in her house so i was working out to get my body in shape yeah but but during the day i was running Mm -hmm. but it's i had a fire under my ass because she told me i had 30 days and it's funny man me and her talk once a week and she just talked about how much of a grinder i look like to her but i'm like she don't understand that grind that landed started with her telling me i had 30 days yeah and i was like man now when it's time to do something, I just, I, I can do it all. Like, bro, I'm sleeping right now. I'm like, I told my boy, I always going to do this podcast. Let's knock it out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like that. Mm-hmm. Bro, if you had seen me before Corona popped off, like, man, I had some days where I had to fly to two different cities in the same day. I, I was like, oh, I can balance that. I can do that one and then fly here and go do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want them to do it. Like, all right, man, that's me for the day. Mm. So it's got to be the work. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying, I'm trying to do everything I can do. I got to be doing something. Yeah, man, you know. Yeah. Even when I slang boxes for the white man, dog. I, I listen. I don't be the nigga in there that slang a whole bunch of boxes. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, I ain't going to stand around and try to just talk to everybody. Time go by too slow. Yeah, Let me do. go slang some boxes around. They do. And it's like, and you, know, you know, hearing, hearing, hearing how you saying and what you saying, it reminds me of, like, me moving to Atlanta from Memphis. Mm-hmm. My brother, me working, with my, working for my brother. You know what I'm saying? I had to learn uh, customer service because it wasn't, it wasn't even title, a title that he was giving me. It was it was this dude named David Brownlee. I started yeah. you know re, uh, watching his videos on customer service, and I started right. pin, pinpointing certain things that wasn't going on in the company. And as right. I did that, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna keep adding this shit. And I was working for free, literally, for my brother, because it was like the money wasn't coming in like I needed. So I was right. like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm gonna go do security. I did security while I was here. While I was doing that, I was like, man, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out a way to get this shit. And it's just That's it. one thing led to another. And I'm like, I was staying with him. Shit, shit got twisted. I was like, let me get my own spot. Got my own spot. It was a hellhole. But from hey. there, just the next phase, the next phase, and it's just, it's just been an all out, all out grind, man. Yeah, man, so, you gonna figure it out, and that's it, and that's yeah. this period. Yeah. So before I ask you the next question, so as far as like with the comedy. Do you take time out and like jot down your ideas? Like if I'm if I'm writing a song, I'm gonna somebody can give me a word and I can write a verse. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Do you take time out and just just write, or is it just like shit just come to you and you just like how? Uh, do you I mean, it's a mix. It's a mixture, man. But absolutely, I absolutely do write stuff down. Uh, I have a notepad I keep on my phone at all times, and then okay. I put it in there, and then I delete a whole bunch of jokes I wrote when I was on the ship. So now, when I put them in a notepad, I email them to myself so I can have them. Yeah, uh, so I'll never lose them. But uh, yeah, uh, something that comes to me in a conversation that somebody's talking about, or I have a memory of something that happened, and I find a way to make it funny and kind of put it out. And then what I do is I put my set in an outline. Okay. Every time I add something new, I put it where it fits best in the okay. outline. So what that does, it stretches out the original set bigger, 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 and bigger, and bigger. Mm-hmm. And uh, I kind of rock with it like that. But yeah, I write stuff down all the time, man. Anytime I get an idea, even for skits, I write it down. A movie idea, I write it down. You know, just write it down, bro. You know, I'm almost forty. Yeah. But I write it, write it down, but the memory ain't forget it. I'll be a, I'll be at work like a beat a beat idea come to my head. I'm like, damn, I'm finna leave. I'm finna stop what I'm doing. Go record that, man. Keep it moving. Put it in the locker. Keep going. 
I've been driving on the road trip and 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 jotted my job down on a voice record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey man, right, right, joke by blonde guy in Texas. Mm. And and I remember it once I hear it, I'll see. It. But yeah. if I just if I leave it just to have it in here till I get home, I I'd be doing something else. Yeah. Especially with the quarantine, these days going by so fast. That was about to be the first again. Man, that's what I just told. I was talking to my neighbors, and it was like, she was like, "Well, it's already gonna be December." I was like, damn, it's June already, man. It's like, Bruh. should I just, I, look, I, the, the one thing I can remember is when Kobe, when Kobe died. It was, that's yep. like one thing that's fresh on my mind. It's like, I'm in the uh-huh. shop, chilling. That's like I know exactly one of the best things I can remember, man, you know. I know oh, yeah. exactly where I was at or what I was doing. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh, uh, me too. Yeah. I had an edible that had me lit. I was on the <laughs> edible. And I remember my, uh, my homegirl had told me, and man, I just remember being, uh, the the whole high just went away. Yeah, I was like, "What?" And I was yeah. teary eyed, and I was on uh, a. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy, dog. Yeah, that, fu- that fucked me all the way up. We're having like we're having a daughter, and like just all them all them all them thoughts running through your mind. Like, damn, was his daughter with him? Then you know you right. find out she was, and then they were saying other people was on the plane, and it was like, oh man, it was a nightmare, man. Because he yeah. was so he was such a positive light, man. Even when you didn't, if you didn't know him personally. Yeah, it's just a positive light, man. I love Kobe has always been one of my favorite players mm-hmm. before and after this. Yeah, and and just to see him at the game, relaxed, you know, not all in the zone and pissed. Yeah. You know, he's on the starry ass team, man, for some years before he retired. Hell yeah, and and, and then he was vibing with the players, like, oh, he was really he was chilling, man. He's like, you seen him hollering at LeBron on the sideline. He was, you know, uh, that next day he was going to see the Portland Trailblazers play the Lakers. He wanted to see Carmelo because he had just got picked up on another team. Yeah, you know, how close he was with Gabriel Union. When you see him yeah. talking to Jay Z and Beyonce on the sidelines, he's just yeah. like a—he's just seemed like a cool guy, man. You know. And then you know, like what I what I take from it too is like, you know, he he learned a hell of a lot from Jordan, right? Yep. And I feel like what he was demonstrating is the aspect of teaching the next generation some skills that weren't even shared to other people. And then I look at the players that he invested into that time. Yeah. Look at Trey Young. Trey Young dominating, and he Trey Young the same height as me. Look at Luca, killer. Look at uh the Greek freak because I can't say his whole goddamn name. Yeah, yeah, uh, Giannis. Giannis but, uh, yeah. but he says, yeah, man. Kobe was like he was willing to coach anybody that was willing to be a good student. And a female, then a female ballers too. Oh uh, like, yeah, the females balling dog. His, his, they say his daughter had a jump shot wet, wet, and he was giving her footwork that he learned in twenty years. She was yeah. at eleven and twelve. Bro, oh she's going to be a problem. I was uh with his family on uh Disney Cruise Lines, but the week before his jersey got retired, yeah, he came on the cruise with us that Monday. Him, his whole family, his wife, his mother-in-law, both his daughters, they came and cruised with us. Man, I was on the ship with Kobe the week. That's the memory I always have. You know, he had security around him. You couldn't get to him or no shit yeah. like that. But me and Kobe was on the same cruise. He flew from my cruise and. Flew to LA and had both his jerseys retired. That'd be the memory I always have. You know, I ain't, you know, I ain't get to hang with him nothing like yeah, that. But that he was there. Yeah. So you know, like getting back to the to the things. Uh, like what was what was your worst show? Ah oh, man, everybody had worst show. It's the same thing, man. Bombing, bombing on stage, on stage, and want nobody laughing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Matter of fact, uh, the anniversary of that show was today. I just had a really? freshman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, today, 2000, uh, I want to say 14, 2014, man. I had, uh, I opened up for this guy named Doodle Brown. I remember Doodle Brown. And, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. His crowd just was not feeling me, bro. And I, and mm-hmm. I had just had an amazing show with another comedian and I left that show and went to his show. I was like, man, I'm on fire. And I went to his show and got my, got that fucking water put on me. Mm. And I mean. And I had to do two shows back to back, an eight and a ten, and I bombed both times. But I think so. Do you think you needed that, or was it just? Uh, it was just humbling. It was just humbling, and you know what? What I me, yeah, it was needed. Not to, to a short version. Mm-hmm. It was needed because my worst fear as a comedian back then, because I quit comedy for two years. I stopped doing comedy. I stopped performing when I, I went through a divorce. Okay. So doing anything with entertainment, I just all corporate. Nothing yeah. entertaining. So when I came back, I started kind of hitting the open mics and getting my name back out there. 
And then somebody put me on a stage I wasn't ready for. Mm. But my worst fear was to be put on the stage I wasn't ready for and to be up there and see what it felt like. And so basically, uh, when I bombed on that night, I got, to, I got to experience my worst fear and how did I react? And after I got done with it, both, both, both shows, I went, got in my car. I was like, mm, that went bad as I thought it would be. Yeah. And on to the next. Mm. So, yeah, it was needed. Gotcha. So how long, like, on that, on that album that you did, mm-hmm. um, Life After 30, like, how long did it take you to, to like, record that and, like, like come was it? Duh, that took as long as the album is. The album's 48 minutes. It took me 48 minutes. Literally? Just yeah. going in? Mm-hmm. I got in studio. I got in studio. Uh, it was morning time, which is funny about that album. I, I recorded that in the morning. Uh-huh. So I told my manager, I said, this is what we got to do. I said, we're going to have a studio audience here. Even though it's morning, we're going to treat it like it's night. So everybody that drink, need a drink. Everybody that smoke, needs some smoke. Yeah. I wanted it to be a vibe because when yeah. I got there, when I got there, it felt like morning time. Okay. Like niggas had croissants. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Niggas had croissants, like orange juice. <laughs> niggas had the girls that was there had bonnets on. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it was morning. Yeah. It's like my, my manager had just gathered up some people. I'm like, yo, man, let's come to the studio. My my client finna do an album. Uh, look, man, you gotta do something to get them in the zone. So I let the people that, like I said, I let the people that drink drink, people that smoke smoke. Yeah. And then waited about ten minutes, and I see everybody started having that geek yeah, look. Yeah. I said, all right, let's do it. And then I just started firing off rockets. Yeah. Anything come on top of my head that I could think of that I had hadn't said on stage, I was yeah. just trying to get it out there. Boom, boom, let's go, let's go, let's go. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah, man, that's what's up, man. Oh yeah. So, how fast did you progress in stand up comedy? Uh, quickly to me. Uh, I mean, I'm not one of the top dogs. Uh, at by no means. But the reason I say quickly because I came into comedy getting paid. Well, that doesn't normally happen. So how that happened for me was, like I said, I was doing that play. Mm-hmm. And then somebody that seen me in that play uh, booked me to do something at a church. And then okay. somebody seen me at that church and put me in another church. So my comedy career started at the churches. For real? So, yeah. And then this publicist seen me do another play by the name of April Love. And then she started booking me to host like these random ass events. And all of them was like paying $300 here, $400, $500 there. And this is like 2000. Eight, nine, ten, where like when you started comedy, you just doing open mic and that's it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I was getting paid and all my shows were going good. So I didn't bomb, I didn't bomb until later, okay. Okay. <laughs> which is funny. So I came in hot, getting yeah. paid, having good shows. It took me a I didn't bomb. I didn't have my first bomb probably the first four months of my career. For real? Boy, that fourth month, it came. It came. <laughs> oh, it came. Oh, it was bad. So, yeah. So, that's that's why I say it came out good. And then my comedy career has led me to some different things that I think other comedians, I ain't going to say they're not interested in, but they probably just haven't thought about. You know, I toured with SEC Nation, uh, the football show with Paul Feinbaum for three years. Um, nobody's really checking for that. I did a tour where I went with uh, Olive Garden food truck, and we stopped in different cities. And opened up the truck and gave out free sandwiches to the community and threw a, a block party. I did that wow. for a whole summer. I did uh I did a uh, yeah, I did a corporate event for Academy Sports. Um I I toured with Disney Cruise Lines for two years. You know what I'm saying? I just do some other things that I I don't, you know, I just did a comedy album. I just try to do other things, man, because I think what happens when some when a comedian gets hot with something, everybody else tries to do it. I was just about to say it sounds the top dogs. You know, think about it. Everybody knows DC Young Fly started the split screen roasting. Okay. But as soon as he got hot with it, yeah. a million other comedians started doing it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, everybody knows, you know, Carlos Miller, Chico Bean, yeah. uh, Shardy, uh, Nick Cannon, all of them on the Wild Out. They do all the little improv games. Not everybody think they're a master of those games. You know what I'm saying? So I'm that guy. Whether I become a top dog or not, in the game, as long as I can eat, man, yeah, take care yeah. of my family, and my mental health is cool, I'm cool. 
That's like that's like being a trendsetter. That's something my pops always, you know, he always preached to me, my brother, my sister, like, look, whatever you do, be a trendsetter. Don't follow yeah. the herd, you know what I'm saying? And that and I I just keep that close to my belt at all times. Like Oh yeah. I I, I even with the podcast, it's like this shit started from me being over my homeboy house, me using, I've got to show you, me using a boom mic recorder, you know what I'm saying? And oh, I'm, yeah. I'm catching the audio and it's starting from there and I'm just chilling, cutting this air and we talking and I'm like, now I can go back to that. Yeah. And and now it's like, it's progress. It's progress. It's constant progress. So I definitely feel you, man. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it's yeah, man. You, man. You stepping, you stepping outside your comfort zone. It's all, yeah. You know, it's gonna it's gonna pile up when, like, just doing this interview, right? Yeah. Somebody gonna see and be like, like, like you said, you know, my homeboy Rob Love. You know, shout out to Rob. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, I can all imagine when he see like, oh, you ain't you ain't interviewed me yet though, bro. So I got yeah. I got to interview him too. So, how is the IG miniseries We Can't Be Friends going? And did you write it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. So that's going good. Uh, we actually just shot uh, episodes two and three uh, just the other day. So uh, I started this with uh, this girl by the name of Tiffany Cozy. Uh, she's a great editor, a great actress. Uh, and I bumped into her at this event that Kay Michelle was throwing. And um, Memphis 10. Yeah, man. And uh, <laughs> not people follow each other on Instagram. I went to her page and I said she had all these videos. And they were edited really well, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But she wasn't really pushing them. So I could tell, like, she just liked to edit, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You could tell, like, you know, some girls, they just learn something. I I was like, she just liked to edit. Mm-hmm. She had short films. She had skits, mm-hmm. all types of stuff. But, like, they weren't doing, like, really, really massive numbers. So I was like, man, me and her work together. Shoot. I need, I don't know how to edit. My editing is trash. I'm like, man, we can find a way to push these things even harder. Mm. So I just hit her up. I was like, yo, man, I like your editing style, your acting. I would love to work with you. And I put in quotations, listen, I'm not flirting. I'm serious. I like to work. <laughs> and then she hit me back like, oh, cool, let's do it. And we got together and we did this first one. We did the first series we did was called Disaster Date. Where Disaster she, date. Yeah, she, okay. she went on a date with a dude that was home, found out he lived at a homeless shelter. So we did a, re- we did a reenactment of it. So we did a five-part series with that. Yeah. And I had never done a five-part series skit before. I was like, damn, that's kind of a cool idea. You do a mini-series, even yeah. shorter, right? Mm-hmm. And then that's when I came with the idea of We Can't Be Friends, which is basically about a couple that meets, falls in love really quickly, moves in together, but breaks up, but neither one of them have the means to move out. <laughs> so they, they got to work out their relationship <laughs> while living together, yeah. but being broken up. So that's what the series is based on. That's why it's called We Can't Be Friends. No, nah, that's, that's dope, man, because it's like yeah. – that's kind of what, and I was I was in the studio one time with a uh, Slim Cutter Calhoun. Uh, we had right, like, right. we had a studio session. Uh, my partner from Nashville, Snipes, and mm-hmm. um, I was I was just mentioning to him. I just feel like at this point of time, how artists can really like change the game and redirect the music is instead of doing like twenty five songs, do five songs and do a short film to the songs. Like, bruh, that part. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's, I think my thing is I had ideas, but I don't always have the people to help execute that shit. Man, but you know the thing about it, man, you got to find, find a way to be that solo executioner, man. I yeah. just learned, like, even with me, my Achilles heel has always been not being able to edit, man. Like, I feel like if I knew how to edit, I'd be a lot farther than yeah. I am now because I have some great ideas, but I'm always at the the wheels of somebody else, you know, yeah. how fast they want to edit, when they want to put you. it out, when they want to do it. Now, thank God, the girl I work with now, she's she's very consistent. But I've man, I've, I've worked with about seven different editors, really? and it always came down to the same thing: either I was pushing them too hard, or they didn't feel like it, or you know, just weird stuff, man. I'm just because I'm like, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it, yeah, like, bro, let's get to work, let's get to work, bro. We shot two scenes, we talked two episodes the other day, bro, and I, I hadn't had no sleep. I had been up all night with insomnia, got up, went to work at Amazon. Mm-hmm. Sat there to one, left there, and went to the gym, and then came home and shot two episodes. Well, you was dead, dead to the oh, world. I was dead the next day. I was wrapped, oh, but yeah. during that, nobody, nobody that was in that film with me knew that. Nobody mm-hmm. that was on crew knew that. It's, it's I, bro, I pushed through. I, I believe in the Cobra mentality, the yeah. Mamba mentality. 
You gotta, I mean, you gotta have that, man. Like, ain't nobody else gonna like, nobody else is gonna work as hard as you. Nah. So either this shit gonna get done or it's just gonna sit there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I tell my homeboys, like, uh, shit, robbing them. Rob was like, uh, my homeboy Reggie was like, hey, man, we wanna do this show in Alabama. I was like, nigga, how much is it, how much is the room gonna cost to get? We're gonna come down there and film this shit. We're gonna make it happen. And he right. was like, fuck it, like, let's make it happen, bro. So we did that shit. So um I got you. I got you on this. I, I think I got you on this, bro. Janet Jackson or Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Damn. I feel too easy. Too easy. Shit's just too easy. It's too uh, easy, though. Top three comedians. Uh ever or right now. Hey man, that's that's on you. I didn't. I asked the question. I ain't. Uh, I ain't top three about. ever. You gotta go. Who your um, top three? It ain't gotta be O. It's just who your top three. Uh, you gotta go Richard Pryor, okay. Dave Chappelle. Uh, and you gotta go Richard Pryor, yeah. Dave Chappelle. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. He don't know. He don't know who it's. It's, it's a tie between a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? But uh, and then the eras change. No comedy change. You know what I'm saying? It does. But uh, I would say Richard Pryor, Dave, Dave Chappelle, and then you want to say Eddie Murphy, but he only did two albums versus yeah. people like Cat Williams who did about ten. Cat Kevin Hart got ten. Mike Myers, Mike Epps got about ten. Uh, see, I feel like if Cat Williams had to start drifting left, the spot that Kevin Hart in, I think yeah. Cat Williams would have been right there with with him. Cause when he did Pip Chronicles, like he looked, he looked unstoppable. Mm. He looked mad. That one he did with the green jacket on. Yeah, I like, know. I remember when watching that. Was he in Atlanta? Yeah, he was in Atlanta, the Cobb yeah. Energy Center. Yeah, I, I remember watching that. Like, damn, dog, this nigga is fucking hilarious. Dog. And I wasn't even doing comedy yet. For real. I just was working a regular job, and I remember watching it on HBO. I was like, damn, that nigga, fun. That nigga is freaking hysterical. Yeah. And then Kevin Hart did the grown little man. I remember thinking the same thing. Like, damn, this nigga is really funny. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I seen Kevin Hart in person before he was famous. So I know all about his work ethic. Yeah, that motherfucker is a, he is a workaholic. Like, yeah. That motherfucker, like, he, yeah. he don't sleep. And then it seemed like he learned to use technology to his advantage. advantage. Yeah. He, 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 it's either that or somebody around him. It don't matter. It don't matter. He yeah. branded it. Yeah. Kevin Hart, he 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 set the blueprint out for you social media to brand comedy. Nobody was thinking about it. No other comedians was thinking about it. Like, that nigga started using, he started with Twitter. He started yeah. with Twitter, and then he started with the YouTube, and then Instagram came, and then it was just a rap. He, he, he was just a man. But I did, I promoted a show for Kevin Hart when I was a, when I was a junior in college, mm-hmm. uh, 2003. Okay. Tickets was $5. Kevin Hart, nigga. Five dollars in Tuscaloosa, Alabama to see Kevin Hart. And 15 people came. What? He wasn't famous yet. 15 people. I was promoting the show. Uh, Steve Brown was the host. Uh-huh. I was promoting with my uh, fraternity. Cap off a side. Shout out to the bros. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I was telling everybody, yo, man, it's the guy from Soul Plane. You know, the comedian from Soul Plane. He's going to be here to, on Thursday, man. Y'all come out. It's going to be lit. You know what I'm saying? He was in Soul Plane. He's like the next new wave. He's hosting a new comic view. And people was like, so? Yeah, <laughs> uh, I know they, I know them folks like, damn. They probably don't remember. I posted about it on Facebook like two years ago. A couple people remember it, but a lot of people didn't even remember it. I still remember it, yeah, though. Like, damn, why ain't it? What's like, dog, I told you, I told you. $5. $5. I ain't gonna lie, that's how it was. Uh, my homegirl, Nina Stacks, when Big mm-hmm. Creek came to Memphis. She said, yeah. nigga, it was literally 10 people there. And it'd be I, like that. I ain't, I ain't even. I didn't even hear about no crit show. No. I think it was because I didn't even know her at the time, and it was just like, I'm look. I'm literally looking for hip hop because we doing music and ain't nobody. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it wasn't really a Memphis is Memphis is weirdly spread out. I just yeah. I did chuckle. You know, I've been chuckles a couple of times. Yeah, it's, it's a weird shaped place. It's weird, man. It's like that shit crazy. Like that. Oh yeah. All right. Prince or Michael J. Oh, ho, before I go, before I go there. Why did you choose those comedians? Like, what, what, what about them stood out to you? 
Well, uh, Richard, Pry- I, I like stories in my comedy. That's my th- that's my style, and that's what I like to see. So, Chris, I mean, Richard Pryor, I mean, just tell great stories to how you just end that nigga. Yeah, you intertwined like like he like you there. You know what I'm saying? It's like he's painting a mental picture for you. Uh, Dave Chappelle is, is probably a great storyteller, and he's one of the most clever guys to ever touch a stage. Yeah. And dog, I think Dave Chappelle has done like five comedy specials in the last two years. Like he just come up with fresh material, fresh hour. Yeah, some comedians, some comedians that travel around and do the same set for twenty years. This man doing five and two years, mm. like it's insane. And then you know you got who else? I said Cat. Uh, Cat and all, and 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 um. Oh, Cat Williams. I just like Cat because it seemed like Cat just erupted onto the scene. It's like he was on Wild and Out. He did a couple of movie cameos, and then boom, he was just doing his comedy specials. We just, just seen him selling out all over the country. Like, dang, that nigga's a yeah. damn fool. And then Kevin Hart, man, just I just like how consistent he is, man. That man don't never stop. Yeah, he he put his friends on, and his friends, you know, they're very supportive of him. Ain't nobody hating on nobody, wondering about who the top dude. Everybody just want to work. And I feel like he opened the gate to take his friends with him. They all ride private jets together. He pulls out the blueprint. He's very open to helping up and coming guys, no matter their age, young or old. He just seems like a, he seems to be a good dude. You know, I don't know him personally. He reminds me a lot of LeBron when I see the moves that he make. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. Like, it's a collective or it's a team, you know what I'm saying, doing right. And making sure that, like, everybody's eating, everybody's prospering off of that. Yep. And he stays positive, keeps himself out of dirt. I mean, he had the little scandal a couple of years ago. But but outside of that, I mean, he's, he's still a dude. Yeah. So shit can happen to anybody. And, and, and half, yeah. the people that was, half the people that was crucifying him, they got shit going on at their house. But it's the fact, outside of that, man, that man stay out of trouble. He went, like, with Mike. Mike Epstein was trying to fire his ass up on the line. He wasn't trying to get he wasn't trying to go back and forth. Yeah. I mean, like, look, man, let the work speak. And he yeah. did it. That man doing a comedy special every two years. It's a comedy special coming out. He in a movie every every, every season. Yeah, every, every season, yeah. Fall, winter, summer, spring. That band's in a movie, dog. Something's coming out. And it's it's crazy. Prince or Michael Jackson? Michael Jackson. I can't, I can't, I can't even say. Can't even say nothing bad. I, mean, I know people got their thing, man, but I got Michael Jackson. The longevity, the career, the moves. Michael Jackson made people faint. Michael Jackson couldn't even go to Walmart without – if Michael Jackson walked in Walmart while he was like, everybody in Walmart was going to faint, period. That's how talented he was. Old he just made people, made people faint and throw Young up. white kids. Man. Yeah, and Prince is great too, man, but Michael Jackson, man, just more hits, more creative. Michael Jackson did halftime at the Super Bowl. And stood t- still for two minutes and thirty seconds, looking like, just looking. Come on, man! Like, bitch, I'm, bitch, I'm, I'm cold. That's I, that's iconic. Yeah, I, I, I wish they would have worked together. That's that's my. Wish. That that could have been something, but they was they was too big to work together. Mike Jackson could barely work with his own sister. You know, they were supposed to do. I think, uh, if I am mistaken, they said Prince was supposed to be one of the characters in the bad video. I didn't know that. I didn't hear that. I, I, I heard that recently. I was like, man, that shit would have been crazy. But Prince was like, I ain't, I'm not going to get slapped around. Not by my gut. Period. Uh, where, is com- where is comedy taking you on the journey, on the road? Where has it taken me? Yeah, like where? You know what I'm saying? Like destination wise, like international. Like, oh, it- I haven't been, I haven't done an international show yet, All but right. I'm sure it's coming. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the only international shows I might have done is the ones on the ship, you okay. know, it's with Disney. So I've done some all over the place with that. But as far as me traveling myself, everything's been U.S. But, man, I'm, I'm open to anywhere, though. They want to laugh. I want to come. Yo. I love a good crowd. I want people that want to have a good time. You know, I know it's going to be hard for everybody to get back to normal. But, hey, man, when, when, they, when they open the doors, I'm yeah. coming and I'm running. I'm taking all the shows. Man. All the shows that nobody want, I'll take them. North Dakota, South Dakota, Wyoming, Oregon, the places that nobody want to go, call Rod Minger. I'll pull up. That's a win-win. If y'all paying and y'all paying for me to come and y'all paying for someone to stay, I'm pulling up. Hmm. And that's period. So what is what is your personal creed when dealing with a promoter that doesn't handle business properly on the front or back end? And is there a difference? Uh, I'm not showing up without a deposit. Okay. Uh, and then um, I've been blessed so far. I haven't really had any bad promoters thus far. Uh, I've had canceled shows. Okay. Uh, 
I haven't had any bad comedy commotion. I've heard of some, but I haven't seen. I've had one incident where a girl tried to throw a show in my hometown, and she didn't have all the money uh, that she said she could have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that didn't make. She wasn't bad. I think. I think she just oversold it. You know what I'm saying? So I I can't even prosecute her as a bad promoter. I think she just thought she could really sell the tickets that she was going to supposed to sell, mm-hmm. and she based the pay the payout off of that. And that's what promoters got to know. Anybody that's a new promoter that's watching this, you can't pay your entertainers off ticket sales. You have to have the money already. Yeah. And that way, don't nobody start beefing. But now, I've had any, outside of that, I haven't had any bad promoters. Uh, the only bad promoters I've had have been from some plays that I did. And that, was, and that really wasn't even their fault. That was my fault because I've done some plays that I had no business doing. Mm. Well, I knew they was trash or I knew they was bad. And I was like, I'm going to just do it because I already signed up. Yes. But I don't do that no more. If I read the script, I don't like it, I'll quit yeah. before it even starts. From Jump Street. From Jump. See, I used to not read it. I just was, I was just, when I first got here, it's like I said, I had that hustle mentality. Like when I, especially when I stayed with my cousin. Never, yeah. Anybody that booked me, I was with it. I'll take it. I, man, duh. one time I was, I was working a corporate job when I worked at the Art Institute. I was working at the Art Institute. I was in two plays and I was hosting a show every Thursday night for about four months. And I pulled it off. No burnout. Nah, no burnout. I was cool. I mean, I kind of, I might have started slacking at work. That's probably why I got let go, but I still showed up every morning. What were you doing? What, like, what was that job consisting of? Just had to call out and recruit students that were interested in going to the Art Institute. Oh, uh, okay. But you had a quota, though, man. They treated it like they were sales items. You know what I'm saying? I had to call hundreds of people a day, uh, recruit, you know, 10 to 20 people a month, uh, you know, then help them get on the right career path for what they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. But man, you know, my mind wasn't there. My mind is always be on what I had to do when I got off. But that was like, so would you say you you were able to apply like a lot of that that you learned from from them corporate jobs and, and what you've been doing though? Uh, I can't say if I have if I have it. I mean, it might be some life lessons. I mean, I met one of my best friends in the world at that job. Okay. So I mean, everything has a place. Uh, I, I lived a good lifestyle. I had a nice salary, so I had a nice you know place, nice car. Uh, I was able to help my mom out, you know what I'm saying, financially. Uh, so I don't regret any of it. I might have learned some things that maybe come out, you know. I became a man working in my 20s, you know what I'm saying? Just a lot of man stuff, you know what I'm saying? That's my, that was my adult life. Gotcha. Balancing checkbooks and paying bills and, you know, all that stuff, man. So, you know, real, it came to. Real nigga shit, as they say. And I didn't let it make me either, man. You know, I remember my manager telling me, at the time when she realized what kind of schedule I had, because I used to go to my car and go to sleep on my breaks and stuff. She was like, why, why are you doing so much for this entertainment? You're not going to make any money doing that. You need to focus here. This is your career. This is how you get paid. I was like, oh, I'm going to make money doing it. Yeah. You got me fucked up. Yeah, that's motivation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah now nah, I don't even see her anymore. It's, it's crazy. I wish I could call her and talk to her sometime. Shit, that sounds like it. You know, every that sounds like everybody's story. Like, yeah, I got yeah. that motherfucker now. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what's uh what's your favorite movie? Oh man, it's too many. I'm a movie buff, so I can't even name. I'd be lying. I I'd just be picking some random. Give I love three, movies. Give me three though. then, since we had three comedians. Uh, movies of all time. First thing, Avengers Endgame. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go Coming to America. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then I'm gonna go. Uh, oh man, that's that's tough, brother. I love a lot of movies, dog. I don't know. And it's something with uh, Ben Stiller. Uh, yeah, Ben Stiller. He's one of my favorite comedic actors. So something with him, I'm sure, it was hilarious that I loved. I mean, I, I'm a movie, I have a DVD collection up front right now. I can show it to you if I walked up there. They yeah. stacked up they stacked up taller than me in a mm-hmm. case. Yeah, bro. So what's some valuable advice a comedian or another person gave you about stand-up comedy? Uh, go from, uh, I remember it's a couple things, man. I have a lot of gems on me. Uh, be yourself. Uh, don't go up there trying to say something, go up there and have something to say. Um, don't follow the crowd, be your own person. Yeah. Stay positive. Stay away from negativity, which a lot of comedians, I wish I could tell that to a lot of, a lot of people, man. It's a lot of bad energy and comedy. If you let yourself get around it, you know what I'm saying? People talking about each other or backstabbing or disrespecting each other or 
hating on each other behind each other's back. You, no comedian can come and say that they caught me doing that. That, that ain't what I do. You just saying from the business side or just in general? Just No, just in general. Okay. Just find something better to do, you know? Don't just clunk up in the green room and be messy and chatty. That's what girls do. Yeah. You know, go watch the show. Chatty you can meet it, man. Critique, critique somebody. Maybe you can help somebody with a joke. Maybe you can help somebody with another transition. Yeah. You know, let's work together instead yeah. of just sitting there and bickering over the stuff that ain't helping none of us. It's real. It's mm-hmm. real. So, shit. I mean, that's. So now I'm um, ultimate goal, man. My ultimate goal, man, is to be the lead character on a comedic sitcom. Via our example, uh, The Office, okay. Everybody Loves Raymond, yeah. uh, Martin, uh, something of that that kind of hystericalness. Yeah. I want to be the lead on that. Friends, Living Single, you know, something funny, though, that people are watching weekly. I want, I want that. I feel like that can drive my career in the perfect direction, like to be the lead character on the sitcom that everybody, not just anyone, but something that everybody likes, like the go-to comedic sitcom of that season, whenever it comes. So, yeah, you know, I got, I, a, I got a, I got an idea that came to me and I'm going to go ahead and share it. Uh, it was based off of Red Fox. Mm-hmm. The same, the same way that we had uh, the, the show, uh, Sanford and Son. Right. I thought about just doing a show with a, with a, a daughter and a mom. That could work. You just know, like the Parkers. Yeah. But it's like just like but you know what I'm saying? More I, I think more so in, in terms of like present day though. Oh yeah, it could be smooth. Be, you know what I'm saying? Funny as hell. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, but uh I mean that's pick the pen up. Oh yeah, yeah. I I'm always I'm always writing. Look. There it is. A book right there. Keep the pen yeah. rocking. Oh, yeah. So um just um, where can people find you? You know what I'm saying? Like, if they want to get in touch with you or contact and, you know, follow along with what you got going on your journey. Yeah, man. Follow me on all social media outlets at rod.minger. That's R-O-D dot minger. That's M-I-N-G-E-R. I tell everybody it's like finger with the M. Or they can go to my website, rodminger.com. Yeah. And then uh, that's it, man. Find me on Facebook, Rod Minger. I'm Rod Minger on everything, man. And really? download my comedy album, Rod Minger's Life After 30. Download that. Check that out. It's hilarious. Hell yeah, that shit. Funny as hell, man. <laughs> man, I ain't going to hold your time, man. I definitely appreciate, you know what I'm saying, you stopping by. All day, man. All day. Man, and, uh, man looking forward to, you know, your success, man, going forward and, man, taking off, bro. Especially hey, after, pre- you know what I'm saying, after the COVID, after the quarantine is over. Oh, yeah, man. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it, man. Definitely respect it. Spread the platform, dog. Yeah. I appreciate it, man. What's uh before we go, give a, give a gem, man, to somebody listening. Uh tell people I, I stick by this, man. I got this from uh this came from my grandmother. Hardest goal in life to have is one nobody thinks you can achieve. But the best feeling in the world is to do it anyway. So go out there and do you and don't worry about nobody else, man. Rod Mika said it. Hey, man, I appreciate it, bro. All day, man. Hey, this is Art of Architect and Water Haircut Podcast, and we out, man. Hey, peace, bro. Yep.